What do the Houston Astros, the Central Washington University softball team, Michael Jordan, Lance Armstrong, and legendary distance runner John Landy all have in common? They all have something to show us in different ways about what it means to be great. I'm Mike Austin, and this is Flourish, a podcast where we look at powerful ideas and learn to put them into practice so that we can flourish and help others do the same. Our topic today is true greatness. In 2017, the Houston Astros defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers, winning the World Series that year. Of course, this is the pinnacle of greatness in professional baseball. Unfortunately, that World Series title is tainted, and the greatness of that team called into question. You might know that it was later discovered that the Astros had been using their replay room and video monitor to steal their opponent's signs. This, of course, gave them an unfair advantage. In fact, it was found that they used that technology during the postseason of 2017. One lesson here is that a truly great team not only wins, but they win in the right way. How you play the game really does matter. Contrast this with a story of uh, something that happened back in 2008. It was a softball game between Central Washington University and Western Oregon. The game had postseason implications, so it, it mattered. Sarah Tucholsky, a player for Western Oregon, had or was 3 for 34 going into that game, so not on much of a hot streak. In fact, she'd never hit a home run. She came to bat. She hit the second pitch out of the park over the left center field wall, a home run ball. As she headed through the bases, she went around first base and realized that she missed it, so she planted to go back, and her left knee gave out, tearing her ACL. What happened next won an ESPY that year for the greatest moment in sports. Central Washington players, Liz Wallace and Mallory Holtman, carried Tucholsky around the bases, lowering her so she could touch each one. Holtman told the media later that it was the right thing to do. She'd hit it over the fence. She deserved the home run. That home run actually kept Central Washington from moving on in the playoffs. But as Holtman put it, in the end, it was not about winning and losing so much. It was about this girl. She hit it over the fence and was in pain, and she deserved a home run. Western Oregon coach Pam Knox said at the time, it's a great story, something I'll never forget. The game's about character and integrity and sportsmanship, and it's not always about winning and losing. I would argue that what makes this story great is the character displayed by Liz Wallace and Mallory Holtman, the two players that carried their opponent around the bases. They cared more about what their opponent deserved. They cared more about integrity and about sportsmanship than winning. They weren't willing to sacrifice these things for a victory. Winning matters, but not being willing to sacrifice who you are and what you believe is right matters more. That is true greatness. I really enjoyed watching the ESPN series uh, this past May, The Last Dance. Back in the 90s, I wasn't a big Chicago Bulls fan, but I appreciated the greatness of that team and, of course, the greatness of their star player, Michael Jordan. The utter devotion and the willingness that Jordan had to sacrifice for greatness both on the court and uh, during practice and games displayed by him and others was remarkable. If you watched, you know that MJ was sometimes so motivated that it led to strained and even broken relationships uh, between him and his teammates, former teammates, 
Jordan was known as a jerk in practice and he treated GM Jerry Krause poorly. That comes across pretty clearly in the last dance. But if you watched, you also saw how much Michael's dad meant to him and the effect that his murder had on him. Jordan may have been really tough on his teammates and always looking for a reason to feel slighted by his opponents to drive his own performance. But he also had a softer side. As one writer in the New York Post put it, for those in his inner circle, Jordan did have a softer side. He loved and respected his security guard, Gus Lett, for example. Lett ended up being something of a father figure for Jordan. Jordan was and is a mix of good and bad, morally speaking. He's got virtues like discipline and grit, and he's got his flaws too, just like the rest of us. Now we turn to Lance Armstrong. Like Michael Jordan, Lance was incredibly driven to reach the top of his sport. I'm much more familiar with Lance's story than Michael's. Uh, back in 2008, I had a ruptured disc in my back. And after surgery, I stopped running and started bicycling. I started to get into the sport. I started following uh, the professional cycling sport. Professional cycling sport. I started following right the professionals. Uh, I read several books about Lance, one by him. I wasn't a huge fan, but I had so much respect for his accomplishments on and off the bike. One thing that he shared with Jordan was a laser-focused devotion to winning. But Lance went further than Jordan, and not in good ways. He now admits that he was involved in a program of doping over the years, that he bullied whistleblowers, including um, opponents as well as people within his own camp, and in general, he was a bad human being. Now, back before his admission, I really believed, well, yeah, I did. I believed Lance's denials, although I did have some doubts, right? He often pointed out that there was no positive test, that he'd never tested positive for any kind of performance-enhancing substance, although we later discovered that was false. Uh, he, one argument he gave during, the, during that time was that he wouldn't risk his health after suffering from cancer and beating it. He said it would be ludicrous to dope and risk his life. Um after surviving cancer the way that he did. And I found that persuasive. Maybe I just wanted to believe, I'm not sure. But in the recent ESPN 30 for 30 special, Lance says he didn't like his rivals and he didn't want to. In fact, he says it was better not to like them, right? And this way he was similar to Jordan, always looking for an edge. Lance says that he sees them today being nice to each other and shaking hands and he thinks, get your hate on man. Lance was a great cyclist, but that doesn't indicate anything about being a great human being, all right? Now, Armstrong won and then was stripped of seven Tour de France titles. But for many, it's what he did as a cancer survivor and activist that made him so special. Lance and his foundation and Livestrong, they removed the stigma that had been attached to cancer. This disease had been isolating prior to Lance. It was something to be quiet about, maybe even ashamed of, right? It was sort of this dark secret in a way. Uh, there was a stigma. People agree, right, even if they don't like who Lance is, they agree that things are better now both socially and related to cancer treatments because of what he and his foundation did. You know, Lance would visit kids in cancer treatment centers in the hospital and he wouldn't allow the media in. He says that wasn't, you know, it wasn't the point of those visits. His friends talk about how he would do that and when he came out he was just an emotional wreck which you can understand. Um, 
Lance goes on to talk about some of the people that he wronged over the years. One that sticks out to him is Emma O'Reilly, uh, who was a part of the support staff for many of Lance's teams. He says that she's the person he treated the worst in all of it, that he was, quote, an idiot in full attack mode and he would have said anything. Armstrong smeared people who told the truth, or if they wouldn't toe the line for him, um, or if they wouldn't really just fall under his control and keep Lance Inc. going. Now, Lance says that this kind of behavior is not, quote, what a champion does. He looks back, and whether you believe him or not now, he says his behavior was awful. In fact, he says it was much worse than he thought. I, of course, have no idea what's going on in the heart and mind of Lance Armstrong right now. Many people are still skeptical about his change of heart. Others are merely cautious. Others believe him. But it's clear that his incredible feats on the bike they weren't as incredible as we thought. It's also clear that his behavior off the bike by his own admission fell short. As he says, I wish I could have been a better man. All I can do is say I'm sorry and move on. So we're left with the question, what is true greatness? We've seen that it involves more than championships, more than being at the top of your sport, whether that's baseball, basketball, or cycling, softball. And I'd say it's true for other realms of life also, things like business, politics, and I would add in our personal lives as well. Philosophers like Aristotle and Aquinas and others have a term for true greatness. It's not a term we hear a lot today. That term is magnanimity, magnanimity. This literally means greatness of soul. Now magnanimity or greatness of soul it doesn't only require the presence of all of the other virtues, but it also enhances those virtues. Aristotle talks about it this way. He says, Greatness of soul, then, seems to be a sort of adornment, as it were, of the virtues. It augments them and does not occur without them. A key point for us is that true greatness requires good character. A truly great person has many virtues, things like honesty, courage, wisdom, self-control, justice, and many more. That's what it means to be great. That's what it means to be truly great, to be a person of sound, solid, good, moral character. By the way, this relates to the ethics of doping and performance-enhancing drugs that was so prevalent in cycling and um, it has been and probably still is prevalent in many sports today. The truly great athlete, the one who is not only a great athlete, but a great person, won't use performance-enhancing drugs. There are a lot of reasons for this, but here are a couple. First, he won't do this because doing so is cheating, right? Someone who's truly great, who values moral excellence, will not cheat. That's not true only in sports, but in business, in our personal lives, in fact, all of life. The great will not cheat. That's important. Second. The truly great athlete won't dope or use performance-enhancing drugs because she prefers to rely on her character for her performances. Traits like courage, discipline, perseverance. She wants those things to produce a great performance. She only wants to win if she can do so fairly, justly, and with respect for herself, others, and the game. Let's look at one more example, the story of distance runner John Landy uh, concerning what it means to be great. In his book, The Perfect Mile, Neil Bascom chronicles the competition between three men, Roger Bannister, Australian John Landy, and American Wes Santee. They were battling to be the first person to run a mile in less than four minutes. 
Bannister was the first man to do it. Uh, but there was another feat of moral and athletic excellence accomplished by Australian runner John Landy two years later. During the one-mile race at the 1956 Australian Championships, Landy was running in third place when the second-place runner, Ron Clark, fell to the ground as the field of runners jockeyed for position about halfway into the third lap. As the rest of the runners pushed on, Landy stopped and checked to see if Clark was okay. Despite an injury to his arm from Landy's spikes, Clark said he was and got up and took off, or took off after the field, leaving Landy standing there by himself. Now, Landy had lost about 7 seconds and 40 yards, but he began to sprint in pursuit of the leaders. By the first turn of the final lap, Landy had already gained back 25 yards, and during the last turn, he sprinted past the leader to win the race by 12 yards. He won the race after being 40 yards behind, unheard of at this level of competition. Landy's actions that day demonstrate a couple kinds of greatness, athletic greatness and moral greatness. Certainly the victory was an incredible athletic feat. Given the physical and psychological challenges of overcoming that gap uh, in an elite level one mile race. But it's just as clear that Landy's behavior reveals moral greatness because he was willing to risk that victory in order to come to the aid of another athlete who as far as he knew may have been seriously hurt. In The Perfect Mile, Bascom tells of a journalist that day who called the race. He said the race was Landy's greatest triumph, even though it was not his fastest time. That day, Landy ran about a 404 mile, um, where his own personal record was 359.3, I believe. Uh, so he had broken the four minute mile barrier after Bannister had done so. But that journalist said it was Landy's greatest triumph because he had been a hero that day to every person sitting in the press box, right? So his willingness to sacrifice the victory for the sake of another person's welfare, but then to get up and come back and win the race as well, uh, showed true greatness. Now look, there are many people who show us what it means to be great. And often, most often actually, they're not elite athletes or celebrities. They're the teachers, the coaches, the parents, the nurses, um, the checkout clerk at the grocery store, other people who live exemplary lives day in and day out. But John Landy is someone who should inspire us to be great in the ways that we're able to in our own lives. We can be magnanimous. We can be truly great in our homes, at work, and in our daily lives if we focus on our character and out of that do what we can to improve the lives of others. We can actually leave a legacy of true greatness. The lesson for us then, or at least one of the lessons is this, if you want to be truly great, if you want to leave a legacy of true greatness, focus on your character. Think about your strengths and weaknesses. Keep capitalizing on those strengths, right? If you're honest and generous, compassionate, keep working at those things. Keep uh, making those values and those virtues a priority in life. But if you've got some shortcomings, which we all do, think through what they are. Are you impatient? How can you work on that? What are some specific practices you can do to develop patience? Sometimes it can be really mundane. Um, from my own experience, right, just, you know, driving actually gives us plenty of opportunities to work on patience. I've found that just a change in mindset, a change in perspective can help here. Uh, if we're patient or struggling with patience, sorry, 
and out on the road and we start feeling those feelings of impatience with the driver in front of us, I found that we can short circuit, right, the power of impatience by a change in point of view. You can just say, look, this is a chance for me to exercise the muscle of patience. I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden, everything changes. I found it works well when you're waiting in a line at the airport or the grocery store as well. So a change of perspective is one thing you can do. Well, several years after her memorable home run, uh, Sarah Tucholsky of the college softball game, she's the girl who hurt her knee, she reflected on the lessons that she learned from that day. Here's what she says. What I learned from Mallory that day is that we always have the opportunity in every moment to see the bigger picture. And if we can pause in moments like those and make choices based on integrity and kindness, I think we'd see a lot more good in this world. I can't think of a better way to close out this episode than with those words. Thanks for listening. If you're interested, go to anchor.fm forward slash flourish with MWA and leave a voice message with a comment or question. I'll choose some of those to address in future episodes. You can also connect with me and send a question on Twitter at Michael W. Austin. I look forward to hearing from you in either of those ways. On the next episode of Flourish, we'll start a four-part series on the nature of true success and how to achieve it. We'll do that with author and acclaimed business speaker, Tom Morris. Until then, remember, through careful thought and sustained passion, you can truly flourish and help others do the same.